Your word says it is in you that we live and we move and we have our being. Outside of Jesus, there is no life. We're all just headed to the grave right now and headed to judgment because that's what the word says. That man is subject once to, to die and then after death, the judgment. So God, I thank you that we have found new life in you. May every ear be open to hear and receive the word of God this morning. May faith come by the hearing of the word. May your anointing be upon your servant to deliver this food to your sheep who you love so much. And may they have a hunger and thirst after righteousness and have open ears, anoint their ears to hear that they might receive what the spirit of the Lord has to say to the church this morning. Lord, we love you, we magnify you, we praise you, and now we open up our hearts to hear your word in Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? amen. Let's give our worship team a hand this morning. Did such a beautiful job ministering to us through song. So again, I told you that today's message is entitled Jesus Beings, The Way, The Truth, and The Life. This series began because... I was dissatisfied with just being called Christians because there's Christian everything. Now, you can be a Christian and live whatever kind of lifestyle you want to according to the ways of this world, but not everybody can be a Jesus being. A Jesus being is someone who has found new life in him, that everything that was in Jesus now has been offered through to them because they believe on him and what he did for us on the cross. We are Jesus beings. In him, we live, we have found life, we move, he directs us, and then we have our being. Our existence comes from Jesus Christ. So today, again, we're going to talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Let's go to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. So Jesus is a revealed way. He came to this earth and showed everyone that he was the way. He revealed himself as the way. He told us the absolute truth. So not only in many circumstances, which we will see today in, in our lesson, he revealed himself as the way. Then he announced the truth. Church, can you say the truth? Jesus told the truth about who he was and what he could do, and what that did was it offered life to those that he, that would believe in him. So Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So wherever you are today in life, I pray that you hear these words and know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Every single one of us has to die. We have to come to death, right? And after death, the judgment. And none of us can be saved on our own merit. I don't care if you give 90% of your check to Salvation Army. I don't care if you go to church every single day. I don't care if you don't cuss. I don't care if your breath never stinks. None of that stuff about you is good enough to get you into heaven. It's only Jesus Christ's righteousness. You've got to believe on him and say, Lord, you are the way. I want you to save me. I want to have life from you. Because if we tell the truth today, we really don't know where we came from. We were just born and raised by our parents. Many of us don't know what our last day on this earth will be. But the more we live, we see that our loved ones sometimes pass away. And there is an afterlife. So we've got to prepare ourselves for the afterlife. And Jesus came to this world humbly and showed himself as the way, the truth, and the life. We begin in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, and it says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So this message is for those who may even have troubled hearts. Trust in God 
and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come to get you. When is Jesus coming back? When everything is what? Ready. When everything is ready, I will come to get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus spoke this to his disciples and they were real. They talked to him just like if they, if they didn't know something, they could ask him questions. So one spoke up and said this and it was doubting Thomas. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Father, I ask for the Holy Spirit's help in this moment to deliver truth to these people. God, there's people sitting here that have been hurt by churches. There's people sitting here that have doubt that you even exist. But I pray as the word of God moves forward, God, that you would bring them closer to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So I told you from the beginning, it's impossible to reach heaven by your own efforts or goodness. I've told you from the beginning that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So listen to this. Once he reveals himself to be the way, it is by faith we accept his truth and then receive life. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2. We're going to see why Jesus was so effective in his ministry. Why Jesus was so effective in his ministry and who his ministry was for. So Jesus came with power and he came with power to help certain people. And let's see who that was. And I'm, I guarantee you we'll see ourselves in this picture. We're in Isaiah chapter 61, beginning in verse 1. And it says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. What did the Lord do? Anointed him to bring good news to the poor. So Jesus Christ, when he was here, he had an anointing, an empowering, a covering, a power from God to speak to the masses, right? He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. So if you're brokenhearted today, then you need to know that Jesus has an anointing to help you and to proclaim that captives will be released. Church, can you say proclaim? To proclaim is to announce, to speak. So Jesus came speaking and preaching the gospel. He did not keep it a secret. In the Old Testament, he was prophesied about. But in the New Testament, he revealed himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released. So if you sit here this morning and you're captive to anything, Jesus Christ has an anointing to set you free. If you're captive to pornography, if you're captive to alcoholism, if you're captive to any kind of sin, Jesus has an anointing to set you free. And the Bible promises this. It says this, that the anointing, it's the anointing that breaks the what? 
the yoke. So the yoke is a heavy bondage that weighs upon us because people who are addicted don't want to be addicted. That's a yoke. People who are living deep in sin, they don't want to be in sin. That's a yoke. But praise God for Jesus Christ who has an anointing to set the captives free. Some people have been through uh, AA and some people have been through all kinds of classes and worldly ways to try to get help and deliverance from the, the sins and the lifestyle that they're living. But there is no anointing upon those things. If you want to be truly set free, there has to be an anointing. Because I believe in AA, they say that once you're an alcoholic, you'll always be an alcoholic. Can someone say if that's true or not? Do they say that? Is that what they say? Okay, they say if, if you're an alcoholic, you'll always be one. But that's not what Jesus says. Come on. That's why you have to read the word and have to know who God is for yourself and say, nope, nope, nope. Jesus has an anointing to set me free. He has the power and the ability to set me free. By a show of hands, how many in this room have ever been set free from any kind of addiction or sin? Raise your hand high. So that's evidence right now that this is not just some loud preacher talking with a nice tie on, and it is nice, but that I am telling you the truth, that Jesus Christ has an anointing, man, an empowering to set you free from whatever it is, right? From drugs, from alcohol, from lust, no matter what it is, he had an anointing or has an anointing to do that. All right. So verse two, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. If you've ever lost somebody you love, then you know what mourning feels like. And I know the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But the problem is it never told us what morning that joy would come. And we can mourn for a long time. But I thank God that Jesus Christ has an anointing for those who are mourning. And he can bring them out of that mourning with joy. We might not understand it. And I want you to know this, that being perpetually depressed about losing someone is not honor towards them. You don't ever have to feel that if you stop being depressed and stop having heaviness about someone you've lost, that you no longer honor them. That's not the truth. The way that you honor someone that is that's gone is through the love that you had for them and th for the, from their memories as well. So you don't have to carry pain in your heart when you lose a loved one. Jesus Christ will and can set those who are mourning to, and give them favor. Amen. So, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus manifested himself in the lowest and darkest places in people's lives so that he could make the way known. Jesus didn't appear, right, at the temple and only say, say, close the door. He didn't say, I only want the high priest. I only want the religious. I only want those to seek me to know about me. Nope. He went to the lowest of society. He went to the lepers. He went to the poor. He went to the sick. He went to the brokenhearted to show them that he was the way, the truth, and the life. We know that Jesus went to the naturally and the spiritually poor. He went to the brokenhearted. He went to the captives, the prisoners, those who mourn, and he anointed, and he was anointed with a message and with power. So what was that message? Church, I don't want you to miss this today. If you're unsure about your soul salvation, if you're unsure that if you would lay your head down on a pillow tonight and not wake up in the morning and you can't say you're positive about where you'd go, this message, this part of the message 
is for you. And don't miss this because Jesus Christ, he is the exit light out of darkness. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 4. Second, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Listen to this message. Father, as I begin to outline the message of the gospel, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would draw those in this crowd and online into your salvation. Lord, only you can do it, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held into the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. So for 120 years, Noah preached that God was a savior. Noah preached that the world was going to be destroyed, but no one listened except those eight people, those souls were saved because it was foolishness. Church, can you say foolishness? You got to catch this. When Noah preached, it was foolishness to everyone. Like, this makes no sense. Look at this fool building this big boat. We're going to be fine. It's never rained even before. What is he even talking about? So the way of salvation to the whole world that was destroyed, the ancient world that was destroyed, it was foolishness to them. Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 30. Listen to this. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. So just like Noah preaching about the boat was foolish to everyone who was later destroyed, I'm trying to tell you right now that the message that I'm preaching right now about the cross of Jesus Christ, it is also foolishness to those who are being destroyed. If you hear the message of the cross and you say, amen, that's the way, then that lets me know that you trust Jesus Christ as your savior. But if you hear the message of the cross that I'm preaching this morning and you say, that's absurd, that's absolutely foolish, then that tells me by the word that you are headed for destruction. But Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as this gospel message goes forward, that you would bring salvation to the lost that are among us. And we thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is. Church, can you say Christ is? 
Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. That's what a Jesus being is. It's someone that has trusted God for their salvation, and now through faith they've been made one with Jesus. I praise God for being made one with Jesus because what that lets me know is that I will not, I will not see hell. I, I will not see hell. Why? Because I, by, through faith, I've been made one with Jesus. Now, I was born a sinner, and my father pastored this church and founded this church for over 40 years. But nothing he did could save his son, right? I had to come to know Jesus Christ for myself. And Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. But I can tell you right now, I was neck and neck with living a sinful lifestyle the same as Paul did, right? Alcohol, drugs, women, lying, lust, all those things were part of my life. Why? Because I was a sinner, What do sinners do? They sin. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to say they sin. Church, what do sinners do? They sin. So don't look shocked at me when I confess my sins before you. When I was a sinner, I sinned. But I heard the message of the cross that Jesus Christ can save me from my sins. And the beauty of it is this. He doesn't just erase your sins. He cancels the power of sin that's living inside of you. So the desire to sin can be broken. This is only bad news to the one that wants to keep sinning. But the one that desires freedom says, sign me up. I desire to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, the one that frees me from my sin. So God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. What did Christ do? He made us what? Right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Father, I announce your son's name, Jesus Christ, over this gathering. Everybody in here needs to know that it is only by the name of Jesus Christ that anyone can be saved. It is only by him hanging on a cross and dying for our sins that we are saved. You better not be trusting in your own goodness. You better not have a hope outside of faith. It is truly Jesus Christ alone that saves you from your sin and brings you into the eternal kingdom of his father. Father, I thank you for faith being present to believe that right now in Jesus' name. So Jesus is also the door. He's many things. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. But today we're going to explore him a little bit as the door. John 10 verses 9 through 11 says this. This is Jesus talking. He said, I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Man, if you really look at it, it's like, who were we to even save? Like, we wanted nothing to do with him. We were, we were fine in our sin. We were fine in the pleasure of sin. But what we didn't understand is that sin has to pay you, has to pay you, right? So just as many of you work 40 or 80 hours, you're in expectation of a check. And if they don't have a check for you, you've got some questions and they've got some problems, right? Everyone is expecting pay. Did you know that there's payment for sin as well? The Bible says that the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. But there remains a gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. So here Jesus is saying to everyone, I am the door. So we're going to explore some different passages to see how he's the doorway out of different things, and then you can go to Cracker Barrel or wherever you're going today. All right, here we go. We're in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Here we're going to find, praise God, man, this is so good. Uh, Chris Jackson is here today. Where's Chris at? Chris was a firefighter for how many years? 33 years he was a firefighter for the Lima Fire Department. And many times when a, when a fire uh, department goes to a house, uh, sometimes it's hard to push the door open. It's very hard to push the door open, and the reason being is the person made it all the way to the door, but not out the door. Come on. Let's think about that with our own souls right now. We don't want to just make it to the door. We don't want to make it to the door and say, okay, you know, I know who Jesus is, and he died for my sins and all of that, and I know where he is. No, to be saved is not only to know about Jesus. To be saved, you have to walk in the door and know Jesus, right? You have to have fellowship and relationship with him. So we find Jesus to be the doorway from sin. We're in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. It says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Church, can you say this with me? Jesus is the door. Come on, this is so good. All right. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down. Come on, your Jesus is awesome. He's so merciful. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Church, say this with me. Jesus is, Jesus is the, door. the door. 
So verse 10 says this, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. How many thank God for the door this morning, right? They thank God for the door. Because listen, our sins were testifying against us. Our sins were saying, hey, the wages of sin is death. There's, we, we have an accuser against our soul named Satan. And he's always accusing us before God saying, the wages of sin are, is death. Why haven't you killed them? Why haven't you destroyed them? But we thank God that he is the door. So in this passage, we find Jesus to be the way. How was he the way? He was a teacher in this moment. He was a judge in this moment. And he was salvation in this moment. How was Jesus the truth? Remember, he had an anointing to preach the good news to the captives, and she was definitely captive. He had an anointing to say something to her. So what was the truth that Jesus released to this woman in the very act of adultery? What did he say to set her free? He said this, let anyone without sin cast the first stone. And then the next thing he said to her was, where are your accusers? So if we have the way and we have the truth, then we must find life close behind. So what did Jesus finally say to her that pronounced life over her? Go, live, sin no more. So that's very important, that once we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we leave sin back there. Doesn't mean that we won't stumble sometimes, that we won't find ourselves committing sins at times. Of course, we're not perfect. We're going to sin, but we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, and we, say, we can say, Lord, forgive me. I messed up. I need your help. Lord, I repent. So we see that Jesus Christ, church, is the doorway out of sin. So if any of you are living in sin this morning, I'm here to tell you that your sins speak against you day and night, but there's, there's a man named Jesus Christ who is the door. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I will take you out of sin. And, and, and I got to tell you this, just because you come to church doesn't mean you know Jesus. You can never miss a church service and still miss heaven. It's not about church service. Church service doesn't save you. It's Jesus who saves you. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. All right, so now we know that he's the door of sin, through, uh, from sin. Now we're going to find out that he's the door from sickness. By a show of hands, how many have ever been healed by Jesus in any way? Any kind of sickness, disease, broken bone? All right, hands down. So we're not here lying. We're telling the truth this morning. He's the doorway out of sickness. Let's go to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And it says this, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five colored porches. Crowds, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, man, the door talks. <laughs> Praise God for talking doors, right? He asked him, would you like to get well? Verse 7 says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. 
Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So what does this mean? That at, at certain times, God will send an angel from heaven to trouble the waters here in this pool. And whoever could get in first, God made a doorway through the angel that they would be healed. And this man was lame and couldn't move himself. And if everyone is sick there, then they don't have time to help anyone else. They want to get in for themselves. So he said, I can't. When the time comes, no one will help me to get in. But the door talked to him and said, would you like to get well? Church, sometimes you just have to be quiet after Jesus speaks. When he says, would you like to get well? What he's trying to do is impart faith in you. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this man just began to say what he couldn't do for himself and what no one else could do for him. That's what his heart was full of. So church, be very careful as you hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that you're not so full of yourself. You're not so full of hurts. You're not so full of bad experiences that you say, oh, Jesus, I know that you could or that you would, but... I'm going through this, and I haven't been able to help myself. I've been here for 38 years in this condition. Let's continue this on. Verse 8, the door speaks. Listen to what he said. Jesus told him, so something has to be announced. Remember, Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So here we go. He says, Jesus tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9 says, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. See, religious people always messing stuff up. You can't wear that in the church. You can't do that. You can't listen to that. You can't work there. Man, I'm so glad that religious people aren't the door right? Jesus is the door all by himself. And he says that you can come to me just as you are. The woman was caught in adultery, but he said, you know what? I'll be a door for you. The man was lame for 38 years and couldn't help himself. And yet Jesus said, you know what? I'll be a door for you. So they, they got on him for working on the Sabbath. Verse 11, but he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as this, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. So, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We found him right now to be the doorway to healing. So, in this passage, how was he the way? He revealed himself to the lame man as a healer. What truth did he speak? He said, pick up your mat and walk. How was he life? He told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. So Jesus truly is the door of salvation. He's the door of healing as well. Unless I told you I almost died 10 years ago, you wouldn't even know it. I'm only alive right now because of God's grace and my brother Carlos, who gave me a kidney. It's Carlos's kidney inside of me right now and the grace of God that's keeping me alive. I found Jesus to be a doorway to healing. 
So I don't care how sick you are right now. Listen to me. I don't care how sick you are. I don't care if it's an emotional sickness or a physical sickness. Jesus said that he is a door. And the, all, the only way that we have to enter in is through faith. It's not a locked door, but only faith can open it for you. All right? So let's finish this. Jesus is also the door away from suffering and from death as well. Let's go to John chapter 11, verses 17 through 44, as we begin to wrap this up. We find Jesus to be the door out of suffering and even out of death. John eleven seventeen says this. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. How many days? Four. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. So they were sad. They were brokenhearted. Here's Jesus because he's always near the brokenhearted. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So she knew him to be the truth because she's seen him talk and she's seen God work on his behalf. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming to the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. So listen, Mary knew that Jesus was in town, but hear this. Sometimes your sadness and your grief can be so heavy that you won't even get up for Jesus. Come on. That can be a dark place where you can just feel so broken and just so weary and so tired that you know Jesus is in town, Jesus is present, but you just remain in the house. But how much does Jesus love us to where he says, you know what? Go get her. Bring her to me. Come on. You got that kind of God that will call you out of your depression, that will call you out of your sadness so that you can see the miracle for yourself. Verse 30, Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet, she fell at the door's feet, and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But come said, but some said, this man healed a blind man. Could he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across this entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha said, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, man, that's so good. 
I, I am so glad that Jesus responds to our condition. I'm so glad that Jesus responds to our doubt and our fear. He responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So in this passage, we see Jesus is the way revealed as he called himself the resurrection, right? The problem was someone was dead, but Jesus, the door says, I am the resurrection. I bring the dead to life. He revealed himself as well as the truth. Lazarus was dead, but there was a greater truth than death. I want you to hear this. Man, there is a greater truth than death, which means death does not have the final say, right? Jesus has the final say over death. And Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead rose up from the grave and came out. He only had one more problem. You can't live like that. Right? So Jesus told them that the way that he revealed himself as the life was Jesus said this to them, unwrap him and let him go. We close with this. John chapter 8 verses 34 through 36 say this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Church, what we've learned here today is this, that Jesus makes himself known in the lowest and darkest places in people's lives to announce that he is the way, the truth, and the life. In our first story, we saw a woman caught in the act of adultery, and the law said she must die right now. But the way, the truth, and the life said Okay, go ahead and stone her. But whoever has no sin, let them throw the first stone. And the Bible says these angry men just begin to drop their rocks one by one and walk away, the oldest to the youngest. Listen to me. We've got some sins if they have not been forgiven, right? And death has stones, Every single one of our sins has a stone in its hand and is ready to bring us to death because that's what the law said. The wages of sin is death. But we thank God for the door this morning because from my oldest sin to my newest sin, from your oldest sin to your newest sin, when you find Jesus Christ as Savior, they all must put the stones down and you get to live, right? Because Jesus died on the cross and all the punishment that was set aside for us, it went upon him. And he went into a grave. They killed our Savior. He went into a grave. But after three days later, he rose from the grave with all power and life. In our second story, we saw that a man was sick and lame for 38 years and he could not save himself or heal himself. But Jesus revealed himself to be a healer, right? So no matter what 
kind of sickness or illness or disease that you might have. There's, some pe- there's someone in here right now that has a learning disability. And, and God wants you to know that you can still excel in school even with that. Don't listen to them. He wants you to know, don't listen to them. You can get good grades. You can achieve in school. Don't listen to what they're telling you. Father, I pray for whoever that is right now. I pray against any kind of learning disabilities in here, God, that in their weakness that you step in, and that's all you've got to do. All you've got to do is say, Lord, I've got this disability, but you've got all ability. Would you step into my situation, and would you help me? Help me to learn. Help me to take tests. Help me to excel. So, Lord, that's what you're after. That's what your desire is for each and every one of us, God, that you would find us in a low place. You just came so low. You came to the one in adultery. You came to the one who was paralyzed. You came to Lazarus who was already dead. Trouble had already killed him, but you gave him life. So, Father, I pray right now as we all stand to our feet. Come on, everyone, please stand at this time. As we all stand to our feet, what that just proved to me is that you have the ability to hear Not only did you hear me, you listened, which means that you respond to what I said, and then you had the ability to even stand. And and I'm really, uh, without God, I'm a nobody, but you still listen to me. So if you listen to me, somebody who's a nobody without God, then would you hear God this morning? His desire is to set the captives free, and he has an anointing to do it. It's, it's, It's one thing when people give up on us, But it's a whole nother thing when you give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself because there is help for every single one of you this morning, no matter what it is that you've been going through. So, Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that the words that I have spoken, that they are spirit and they are life. The words that I have spoken are straight from your word, God. I have preached what you desired that I say. But, Lord, Bring freedom today to whoever it is that needs you in whatever situation that they're in, God. Please bring freedom, Lord, to the sinner today because you died for them. Bring freedom for the sick today because you were beat for them. Bring freedom to the dead today because you died for them. You have done all things, God, to make the way known that you are Lord and you are Savior. So, Father... I pray that the Holy Spirit would move upon the hearts in this place right now. And if there's one or two or a few that desire to know you as Savior, God, may they be filled with courage in this moment. When I ask this question, Father God, may they be filled with with courage. May they not die at the door. Because I presented the truth to them this morning. I told them about the door, but may they not die at the door. So, Father, as I ask this question, I pray that people would be filled with the knowledge of your Son by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my question for you all. Eyes closed, please. Every eye closed, please. Here's my question for you all. How many of you here today, before you got here, you weren't absolutely positive if something happened to you today and you took your last breath, that you would go to heaven. 
How many of you want to fix that today? How many of you want to give your heart to Jesus today? Raise your hand and raise it high. Those that say, I don't know if I would be saved if I died today, but I'm ready to fix that right now. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Every eye should be closed. Please, please be obedient to that. Every eye closed. How many today want to leave death behind? How many today, your sins speak against you, and the law says the wages of sin is death, but you just heard about the gift of God, and you say, you know what? I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. I will raise my hand high and say, Lord, save me. I stand at the door. And, and the beautiful thing about it is the door even knocks. He even knocks on your door. All right, all eyes open at this time. I only saw one. I only saw one. Can we praise God for that one, church?